what I've learned over the last two years, the greatest lessons I've learned is to listen. I didn't listen for a long time. You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on-demand WERA.FM. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. This is Radio Arlington, and my guest is someone who is investing a lot of time and energy in Arlington. But I found myself turning to Hollywood a lot in preparation for this show. Not for the escapism of film, although I think one could be forgiven for wanting to hide in the dark comfort of a theater these days, but for the insights that some of the people who work in the industry have regarding curiosity and the human condition. Tom Hanks once said, truth is, I'll never know all there is to know about you, just as you will never know all there is to know about me. Humans are by nature too complicated to be understood fully, so we can choose either to approach our fellow human beings with suspicion or to approach them with an open mind, a dash of optimism, and a great deal of candor. When I read those lines, I was reminded of Brian Grazer, another Hollywood mogul and filmmaker who wrote a book called A Curious Mind, The Secret to a Bigger Life, which is part memoir, part curiosity manifesto. I've mentioned it before on the show. Grazer has what he calls curiosity conversations, conversations with all sorts of people just to learn about their work and lives. No other agenda. He's not going to make a movie about them. He's just curious about their life experiences and the ideas and beliefs that are rooted in that rich soil. When Grazer first went to Hollywood, he made it a goal, his goal in life, to meet and talk with as many industry leaders as he could get to. That approach probably sounds very familiar to my guest today. I first became aware of Vivek Patil when he was running in the Democratic primary for county board. But I had friends who'd been getting to know him and admiring the way he was having curiosity conversations of his own. Those conversations translated into creation of an organization called Building Bridges, which sounded like something I would want to know more about. So I've asked him to join me. Welcome, Vivek. Thank you, Lynn. I appreciate you having me on the show. Well, thank you. I'm excited about this. You know, I looked at your um, your county board website or Facebook page, and you open with Let's Have a Conversation. Yeah. So I'm excited about having a conversation. Thank you. Me too. So tell me about Building Bridges and having conversations. Whence that effort? Sure. So so you called Building Bridges an organization, and I think more of it as a mindset. We don't have a website, and we don't have a web page, and we don't have a structure of an organization. But the genesis of this was, you know, when I first moved to Arlington, I got involved uh, with the Democratic Party, obviously, Mm -hmm. doing, you know, uh, grassroots politics, uh, knocking on doors. Um, And I found very quickly uh, the conversations that I was having was very brief. And I wasn't really meeting the community and really Mm -hmm. getting to know them. And so the the genesis of, of building bridges was how do you really have a conversation with community that's focused more heavily on listening Mm -hmm. 
and like you said, being curious about their lives and their you know, contribution to the community and their time here. And so really it was born out of just that desire to really get to know the community. And the bridges part of it is uh, driven largely. Building bridges is because we seek out people that are different from us. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in courthouse and I'd, that was my little bubble that I lived out in. And so the idea is that how do you reach out to people that are different from you? And over the last two years, we've reached out to people in different neighborhoods in Arlington, reached out to people. I, I went to a tea party picnic in Lynchburg about three weeks ago. So really reaching out to those that are different and finding common ground and actually just listening. People love to talk. so They do. I mean, as you say, everyone has a story. Um, and uh, And people like to be able to share their story. They like to have their story feel heard. So how do you... How do you reach out? I mean, let's be very brass tacks about this. How did, where do you start? I could, you know, I'm I'm an extreme extrovert. I'm an ENFJ on the Myers-Briggs sort of um, map, but uh, it's easy for me to start a conversation. I've never been really uh, fearful of it. But um, we took a different sort of approach. Um, we felt that if there's going to be a group of us that are going to do this, we should train people to mm-hmm. have a conversation. I know it sounds very trivial, but... Uh, how do you talk to someone who's so politically different from you? Right. How do you talk to someone who is religiously or culturally different from you? Where do you start? Uh, what do you say? You know. Um, and so we used a framework called Civity, which my friend Palma Strand and Malka Kopel, who I, I know uh, for the last few years, started. And so what we focus on is really going after a difference mm-hmm. and talking about it. So, so rather than running from the difference, you go toward the difference. Absolutely. Nice. So we really go after the difference. And we don't dwell on it, but we point it out in a way to use that as a starting conversation. What we find is through that difference, there's actually a lot that we have in common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we meet monthly. We uh, have an outreach gathering once a month. And as part of the introductions, a traditional introduction is where we sit down and we say, hey, you know, what did you do last weekend? But then we randomly mix people and actually ask them to find the difference and talk about it. And invariably, people end up talking more about what they have in common. It may start from a point of difference, but you end up actually sharing. So you and I, for example, I didn't grow up in Arlington. I mean, I didn't, I've only lived in Arlington three years but you have lived here for a, a big part of your life. So that's a very obvious difference. But we just talked about raise hell burger, right? right. <laughs> something that we both like, burgers. Right. So, I mean, you start from a difference, but you end up finding something in common. So it doesn't have to be anything grand, you know, but it endears you to each other when you find something that you share, a passion you love. And it's quite interesting when it comes from a place of difference, but ends up being you have more in common than you thought. So Right, right. So why, why have those conversations? So I... Um, I mean, when we started building bridges, the idea was the curiosity to know Arlington. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people have built, I mean, we're very fortunate to live here, but I, uh, I'm very grateful to those who came before us who have lived here that have built this remarkable community. So I think the original drive was to find and just hear about people's lives and, and how Arlington came to be and get to know our neighbors and friends and hear about their, you know, their stories. But um, as the election progressed last year, um, you know, what we discovered uh, was that we are, and I mean, this is not 
obvious, but it is becoming more and more obvious how divided we are as a nation. And a lot of people are focused on, if you see, um, uh, there's very few, in my view, there's a lot of people that talk about our differences. And I just felt that the one way we could have an impact is really try to bridge that divide and really get to know people that are, that we are, that are different from us. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the initiatives we are most proud of in Building Bridges is that we reached out after the election to some of the most conservative districts in Virginia and reached out to the Republican Party chairs. I'm a Democrat, but and asked, wrote them a letter and say, I'd like to come and meet you and know why you think the way you do. And you find that joy in getting to know and building that bridge. You know, so. it's interesting. I, I had a very similar experience around the inauguration. I went and heard um, Don Beyer in his town hall yeah. meeting. And walking in, I walked past a young man who was handing out flyers. And I just sort of took one and stuffed it in my pocket. I didn't even look at it until the next day. And it was from a guy who was the it was a young Republican uh, who was saying, look, we need to talk. We need to have a conversation. And uh, so I emailed him and I said, OK, I just I actually just read your flyer. Let's talk. And as you say, kind of finding the the similarities and the commonalities within the difference. The first thing he did was propose that we meet at my all-time favorite place to, you know, meet right. and have breakfast. You know, so right away it just sort of felt like, okay, neither of us eats babies for breakfast. <laughs> you know? Yes. It's just we can have this we can have a civil conversation at a time when I think lots of people weren't and myself included weren't feeling really civil. No. And I, I completely I completely agree with you. I think there's a lot that's being said of what's happening in Charlottesville and this sort of mm-hmm. divide that we have as a country. But uh, I was also, it was very poignant to hear what uh, President Obama tweeted about what Nelson Mandela said, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, the goodness in man, just like a flame, is a flame that uh, may be hidden but can never be extinguished. And so I, I really feel, you know, whatever, there may be hate, but I think people can be taught to love, like he said, you know? So one of the things this Washington Post article talked about was the divide we have between urban and rural America that's mm-hmm. driven by culture. It's a cultural divide as much as it's an economic divide, right? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the motivations while we talk about job creation and have those conversations, when when I go down to uh, Amherst County and Lynchburg, I mean, um, I want them to see an immigrant mm-hmm. who's come here, who's grateful for what he's got, you know, who appreciates them for giving him the opportunities. I mean, this country gave me all the opportunities to be successful and to build a life here. So, you know, I I want them to recognize that an immigrant is someone that cares deeply for them, that will work to help their lives and is not as a threat, you know. And so I think through these conversations, having the the messaging has to be there. And when people trust you, Mm -hmm. they listen to you, you can then communicate ideas that they're not getting from your alt news or your fake news. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and I do think that once you've spoken with yeah. someone, it's hard to yell at Absolutely. someone. And and as you say, sort of putting a face to the idea of immigration and it's, you know, it it changes it. That's sort of personalizing the political mm-hmm. or something. So so this didn't start as something of the an initiative of the Democratic Party, but you've also done this through the yes. party as well. Tell me why it's important for politicians and community leaders to be curious. I think that's it's largely driven by um, you know what I what I love about our nation is that we really have a debate in America. 
you know, we have such different ideas, mm-hmm. but we have a lot in common, a lot that binds us in my view, then divides us, right? We love for nation, love for our community. And I think, I think we have to be, an, we have to continue to be a nation that welcomes ideas and different ways of thinking. Uh, I think politicians should be more curious uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I think curiosity makes us better people. It drives us to learn, to evolve our positions, mm-hmm. uh, to understand the world. And I think the greatest part of it, in my view, is to really get a sense of empathy for another human's experience. And I, I will be honest, I, I've been fortunate. I work in the biotech space. I have a, a good quality of life. And I also have friends who just don't understand what's going on in some rural parts of America. And they're like, oh, these, you know, I can't believe they supported uh, the president. I can't believe they voted. But when I have shared empathy for what they are going through and the fact that no politician may have addressed their issues, I can understand, at least I can begin to understand where they might be coming from. Mm-hmm. So I think as politicians, as civil servants, as community leaders, having shared empathy for each other allows us to be better citizens of our of our nation, you know, mm-hmm. and making decisions that benefit all of us as opposed to your constituent only. I'm curious what you think about the temptation for people in leadership roles and and I put elected officials in that category of being the experts in the room, of being the know-it-all. You're making a face. <laughs> I have been to, yes. It always happens, and they all are the ones that talk the most in any event. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's the danger? There? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a quick sort of anecdote. Is Yeah, because I think, well, I'll give you two very quick anecdotes. So one of the things, initiatives that we've thought about doing through Building Bridges and maybe working with the county or whoever is willing to partner with us is doing a one Arlington day mm. where we will leverage the networks that we've built through Building Bridges over two, three years and just bring have a day of education about mm-hmm. the issues of our time and our community. And I'm going to I'm I'm going to make sure that the panelists are not electeds mm-hmm. <laughs> or politicians, mm-hmm. right? They're mm-hmm. experts in their field. So if someone's going to talk about transportation, they need to be an expert in urban transportation. I don't blame. I mean, you know, you 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 serve the people and you have a lot of experience. I think politicians have expertise in their own right. Right. But um, I do believe that it's important, and this is at the core of it. What I've learned over the last two years, the greatest lessons I've learned is to listen. I didn't listen for a long time. So politicians could maybe listen a little bit more. Yeah. So what changed for you? What, what got you listening? I think, I think curiosity in a way, coming back to the purpose. <laughs> I think... Um, I just get to, got to a place in my life where I feel that there is so much beauty around me. You know, I, I, I actually uh, the 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 reality was I went through a divorce, mm. and uh, I was really going through a very difficult time, and I came out of it uh, recognizing that I need to to listen more. Mm. Uh, not because I didn't listen to my <laughs> that was not why, but just to be more aware of what's around me, to see beauty in everything, you know? And and I think that was really the driver of, of really being more curious about, about listening. 
Uh, and I do think that in a way, my marriage taught me more to listen. Uh, I was married to an exceptional, exceptional woman. And I learned so much from her. And I think I learned a lot because I listened, uh-huh. you know. And so I think that was the start of it. And uh, and then I'll just, uh, on a side note, I also have a dog uh, <laughs> that I walk every day. And I, I call this sort of passive listening in a way. And when I walk with her, uh, I'm with her entirely. Mm-hmm. I don't look at mm-hmm. my phone. I just walk. And I watch and I do what she does. I listen. I, I, I look at the squirrels. I look at the trees, trees that I would have missed, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And so I think listening can also be passive where we've just become so caught up in our world and we're moving so fast that listening doesn't actually have to be verbal. It can be just being where you are in a relationship with a friend, walking a dog and listening to the birds. You know, it just it's all of that. So I think that was the genesis of it. So. This is my own journey to uh-huh. listen, and uh, I'm grateful that Building Bridges gave me an opportunity and great relationships to build on. Yeah, with that. wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Thank you for sharing Thanks. that. Yeah. So you are also involved in uh, tech and innovation, and I know you have a particular interest in sort of disruption. Mm-hmm. And I'm struck at the role of disruption in your own curiosity journey. Talk about disruption. I mean, any of those contexts. I mean, some of the things, that you, some of the other things that you have going on. But, but do you see that connection? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you when you do startups, I've been told by many venture capitalists, don't use that word because <laughs> disruption <laughs> it scares people. Yeah, 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 it can be. <laughs> well, but I. Um, so I, the way I like to think about disruption is I. I I'm working with an initiative with a group of remarkable people. And I think we talked about it a little bit before the show on sort of transforming Virginia's economy. Mm-hmm. And we have a remarkable state, right, with ton of potential and talent and people and resources and expertise in our nation, in our state, in our commonwealth. And the economic future of Virginia can be created by marrying tech and cybersecurity and agriculture and energy, right? There's this so you can do business as usual, attract industry, bring new companies. But talking about disruption is, you know, our vision is to make Virginia, for example, the most dominant green, clean tech, new energy commonwealth or hub on the planet, mm-hmm. right? So it could be incremental change, but I want it to be seismic mm-hmm. because I want it to be truly transformative uh, for every Virginian. That is where I think disruption comes. You know, aim for the star, and if you fall on the moon, you're still better, right? And so I, you're still better off. So I think where, where, where I see disruption, curiosity, sort of, sort of inter, in, interplaying is you could have incremental change, and you could bring new industry and create jobs. But how about creating an economic framework that just transforms our commonwealth, that puts us on the map as stewards of the environment, but creates jobs for everyone, mm. you know, all over the state, you know, from farmers to um, to uh, to engineers to everybody so so if people want to get connected mm-hmm. with that effort where do they find you how do they connect up to it sure so right now uh, we are just a group of us that are putting this framework together uh, our plan is by December or by the end of the year early next year to actually have a website and information on it one of the things that we are doing different is we are welcoming input mm-hmm. because unlike most, visions, I believe, what we want to do is create just a a first, a foundational framework. 
And then we're going to travel throughout the state, throughout our Commonwealth over the next two years, and really use meet influencers and the communities to gather that input to create a more sort of comprehensive framework over mm-hmm. two years. And mm-hmm. so we want input. We want people to connect with us. And so at this point, unfortunately, all I can give you is my contact information, which is my email. Uh, but I think in the future, we will have a place that people can go to. And we want that to be where people find more information about us. But right now, whenever you, I can give you my email and people can reach out to me directly. Okay. Well, how about we'll say that if people are interested, they can uh, also connect through our my Facebook page Perfect. and then we can get it to you. How's that? Thank you. That's okay. much great. Good, good. And what about building bridges? If people are interested in... Sounds like you meet on a monthly basis. These trainings sounds like it's wonderful. Yeah, where should people be rushing now? <laughs> yeah, so I think we haven't created quite a website, but um, again, if they can get a hold of me, we'll bring them in. I think we are also uh, one of the things is that building bridges has is also evolving. I believe, and I think we want to take our statewide bridge building more um, aggressively, mm-hmm. uh, really building relationships with communities across Virginia. So that is something that we have made a big priority for next year. Uh, but also core to this green tech, this new economy initiative vision is the building bridges idea. It is through those conversations that you see um, a need for community, for innovation, for opportunity creation, you know. And so I think that is we're very grateful that Building Bridges remains the framework for the way we engage with communities on this initiative as well. It does It does sound as if, without being too wonky about it, you know, from a process level, mm-hmm. a great way mm-hmm. to go towards that vision. That you do it with curiosity, with your ears open, with your eyes open, and, you know, with an idea in mind, but not necessarily with the particulars in mind, it sounds like. Like, that's going to be revealed. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, nice. we, we want to be, when I said we want to create a first foundation framework, we want to structure the conversation. But it's all going to be about listening. We want to hear from communities about what they desire, what kind of opportunity works for them. You know, not top-down, but more grassroots advocacy. So... That's our dream and our, our hope through this opportunity. So, yeah, I think through your website, if people want to connect, we'd love for their feedback. We'd love to listen. We'd love to meet with them. They're always welcome. So Great. Great. Okay. Before you go, I warned you about my big jar of wannabe analogies, right? Yes. Are you ready? I am. <laughs> okay. Okay. Reach in. Take a slip of paper. We're going to make an analogy to whatever is on that slip of paper. I'm going to take one, and I'm going to take one for our audience as well. So you want to go first? Or you want me to go? Um, I mean, I could go. I have coffee. <laughs> I take it you're a coffee drinker. He has this this happy smile on his face. How is curiosity like coffee? <laughs> so one of the great things about making coffee is that every cup is unique, right? Oh. And so I literally am curious about every time I make a cup of coffee, what it's going to taste like. That's great. So. That's a great analogy for your approach generally. It sounds yep. like you – I like it. Okay, so mine is luggage. How is curiosity like luggage? Um, I – you know, luggage is something you pack all sorts of things into and um, and you carry with you. And I think curiosity is the same thing. It's a place to sort of pack things in and take them with you that you – 
take on adventures and um, you lose things in it. Yes. <laughs> so that's how curiosity is like luggage. And well, let's see, for the audience, oh my, how is curiosity like a turtle? Let us know. Hashtag analogy. How is curiosity like a turtle? I don't know. So Vivek, thank you. Thank you, Lynn, for being curious and for giving us, uh, giving me the opportunity to be here and share our story. So thank you very much. It's a joy. You're listening to WERALP 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this show or any of Radio Arlington's other terrific programs, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. Come find me on Facebook, where I have lots of interesting links, including ways to get to Vivek's efforts. This is episode number 36, so there's lots of listening online at Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and now iTunes, all at Choose to be Curious. And follow me on Twitter at Choose number two, letter B, Curious. Don't forget to send us your turtle analogy, hashtag analogy. And I hope you'll join me next time when Karen Ward is joining us from Montreal, Quebec. Karen got an idea for a My Curious Eyes project in the middle of the night when she was in Lisbon, Portugal, this last March. What if, she wondered, people all over the world got curious about and really tuned into the world around them and shared what they saw? Each day for eight days, she emailed us a prompt at about midnight her time, and we all spent some portion of the day thinking about that theme and looking for images to capture and share via Facebook. Some of the images were stunning. Some were very ordinary. But the effort, that was extraordinary. Needless to say, I was hooked. I've put all my images up on the Facebook page. Check them out. And come listen to what Karen has to say about making curiosity a way of life. Until next time, choose to be curious. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com.